0: get this right done the boob height and
1: uh i'm comfortable where i'm comfortable
0: oh perfect i are trying I'm to get... ruin my mood i'm not ruining anything
1: Beer and fear. This is the seventieth. Because we did sixty-nine. Yeah. Seventieth episode of Beer and Fear.
0: Nice. My name
1: is Paige. Zach. Our topic is on a guy.
0: On a dude. A dude. A fellow man.
1: What's what's his name? Uh.
0: That's his name. Yep. Yeah. It's hard to pronounce, but it's spelled I D I. A-M-I-N. That's how, you, that's how you say it, though. Say it. <coughs> that's his nickname. Erp. <laughs> and this is Erp. Edie Edie E-D or Edi Amin?
1: I thought it was Amin.
0: Or Amin. E-D-A-Mean. Amin. I Amin. Mean. E-D. I've seen Edie Amin. Amin. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or Amin. Amin. I'm going to say Father, Amin. Amin? Mm-hmm.
1: E.D. Amin.
0: E.D. Yeah. Edm. Am- I think it's E.D. Amin. He's also
1: got like Dada at the end.
0: Or Idi Amin. I don't know. It's E.D. E.D.
1: E.D. Amin. E.D. Deviled eggs sound really good right now.
0: I can't make those.
1: That was the whitest thing I ever said.
0: Yep. <laughs> Let me just scooch past you and grab the, <laughs> grab the ranch. Should we
1: just squeeze on bye.
0: Excuse me. Oh. Mm. Oh. Ediamine. Why? Why is this episode on this guy? Well, That's you so know weird. me,
1: I pick my beer first and then I pick my topic.
0: It's got me very interested as to what the beer pick is. <laughs> it's not anything crazy. No, because this is a, such a niche topic. How is it niche? It's history. Never heard of this guy before. <laughs> it doesn't seem very relevant. But that's was, kind
1: of why I picked. When
0: him. I was doing my research, Relevant I mean, to what? He's like uh to modern history or my history? History not, is history. Definitely not relevant to my history, but so we did
1: Vlad the Impaler. That's not modern history.
0: Sure, but I you know, he's inspired he inspired Dracula. And it's like, there was a little more there. This guy, it it confused me at first, but then I started reading more about him, and it's like, okay, this guy was pretty influential, pretty shitty, and made a a pretty big mark on history in the 1900s. We can
1: change the topic if you want. We could do something else.
0: (laughs) Yeah, let's just change it right now. (laughs) Right now. Yeah.
1: Start your research.
0: Shit, I gotta grab a beer.
1: (laughs) How are you? How was your week?
0: Um,
1: Without looking at your phone?
0: I can't tell you. (laughs) I'm doing this class for work, and it uh, requires me to... Is that why
1: you've been by the police station?
0: Yeah, plain plain field, yeah. It requires me to wake up uh, very early in the morning. My class starts at 8, and it ends ends at 5. It's for trainers. Mm. It's a class for CTOs for my job. And I got one more class tomorrow. And that's it. Um, Besides that, oh, I saw Jack. Mm. We went to this place called Sol Taco, Mm. and it's Korean and Mexican fusion. So they have tacos, they have burritos. I am hungry, I will remind you. Yeah, they've got a bunch bunch of different stuff with like a Korean spin. Mm. Kimchi, kimchi fried rice. It was, oh, Oh, there's. Uh, she's got leftovers. Do you want her leftovers? I gotta take her leftovers from Soul Taco. Oh. I'd have to wake her up and ask her. if
1: Yeah, I don't want to wake her up.
0: Yeah, it's fine. She's she's resting. Um, but it was good, and I got my guitar back, which I'm happy about. So,
1: how long has he had your guitar
0: now? Uh, about a month, but hey, I don't mind. A month. Yeah, he mm-hmm. loves it. He loves my guitar.
1: When did you give it to him?
0: Uh, when he played his, uh, little show. Which show? Um, it was probably early on. It was, it was definitely, I think it was after Christmas. Hmm. I don't know. I, I should know, but I don't. Hmm. He played a show and he needed my guitar, so. But, um, no, I, I don't mind. Yeah. how's your week?
1: It worked. It snowed and I hated it.
0: Yeah, it snowed a lot. It was gross. And it's been really cold
1: yeah, yeah, I'm terrified of how much colder it's going to get Because we're not even in February yet Oh yeah And February is a cold one
0: Yeah, we've been hanging in the hanging around the negatives for a few days Nasty It's going to get worse I know <laughs> it's, okay. it's
1: almost March It's almost spring Yeah
0: Every every year, it's like oh, I can't wait for this cold to be over, and then oh, I can't wait for this heat to be over.
1: I just want to live in a spring, fall kind of temperature mix. You know, I like rain, but I'd like it to be at least like fifty. You know, give me fifties.
0: Where can you? Where in the U.S. can you live where it's like temperate like that?
1: I don't freaking know.
0: Somewhere close to the equator, but not somewhere too far out west. I imagine. But then you get a lot of rain. I like rain. So maybe like Tennessee. No, Tennessee gets hot as hell in the summer. Kentucky,
1: also hot and humid. Ohio. I've never lived in Ohio. I imagine Ohio gets pretty shitty. Or
0: terms. Missouri.
1: These, I'm sure these are all. Are you just listing random places? No,
0: not random. They're, are you like like thinking they're about all,
1: their geography?
0: Yeah, they're all like kind of central. They're not too close. They're not too far they south. They all get winter. Okay, Tennessee then,
1: and Kentucky don't, then, but uh Ohio and Missouri do.
0: What's south of Missouri?
1: There's Mississippi. Uh,
0: Mimel. Is that Arkansas? Right I, there? it's Arkansas. Yeah. Arkansas. They live in Arkansas. It's temperate in Arkansas and Colorado. Colorado gets snow. Uh if you live near the mountains. Or what's south of Colorado?
1: Where's Utah?
0: Or uh, Kansas. I think it's south of Colorado.
1: Kansas is near the middle. Yeah. Colorado's near the left.
0: <laughs> near the left. <laughs> That's <is> terrible. <laughs> like if I looked at a map, I'd be able to tell you which I'm states are which. I'm looking at the US map right yeah. now. I can't. I can't picture them in my head. But you know, somewhere in that, somewhere in that area. Yeah, Kansas is like the central south part of the.
1: Well like, look, here's Utah. There's Colorado. Then there's Kansas. Right next to each other, Kansas. Yeah, is so not you got south.
0: Kansas, Nevada, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Oklahoma. We're
1: in Oklahoma. New Mexico is more south. Oklahoma, just got that little sliver.
0: Yeah, but like somewhere, you know, maybe like northeastern Oklahoma, where it's like.
1: I'm very proud of myself for remembering where most of these states are. I, I like seeing know. the posts that talk about how annoying it is to travel in the U.S. as someone from Europe, because they're like. <laughs> Talking about how everything is so close, like, city-wise and, like, country-wise in, the, in Europe. But, like, mm-hmm. in the United States, like, oh, I drive, you know, four hours and I'm in another country. I drive four hours in the United States and I'm still in Illinois.
0: Still, <laughs> <laughs> still in the... I was going to say still in the United States, but yeah, still in <laughs> Illinois. Have you ever... Re- you realize how big Alaska is? It's huge. It's ridiculous. I feel like if, if most people were asked, what's the biggest state in the United States? Everyone immediately would be saying Texas. Yeah, they'll, say, you know, they'll say Texas. But I looked at a map recently of the U.S. and I zoomed out far enough to where I could see Alaska. Because it's all by itself like a lonely little state up in the corner there. It's like, it's half the country.
1: Mm-hmm. Bring Alaska home.
0: It is a <laughs> Right, like stick it just on the end of California. <laughs> Like, why is it so far away? I want to go see Alaska. I, I want in- to
1: get attacked by a polar bear. Mm. am just saying in general.
0: No. You don't? No. Embarrassing. I want to go to Alaska, though. I think um, the Alaskan cruises um,
1: take you and you see a lot of scenic
0: stuff. Yeah. It just seems That's really nice. cool. Uh, I had a friend who went up there. Jun- Juneau, the capital? Mm-hmm. But like, I was do
1: looking, you know the capital? Do you
0: know the capital? I was looking at how big, fucking gigantic the state is. It's the it's it's about as big as Australia. Pull me, I me a
1: picture of comparing Texas to Alaska. I don't know why I'm doing this, <laughs> but
0: I like it. Little oh, webby hands. It's Alaska is about as big as Australia, based on the map I was looking at. Well. Oh. Okay. No. Can you hear that? I can. Here, look at that. But I don't want to pull something else up. Okay, mm, Australia's at, still pretty at, big. Look at this. This is what I was looking at. Maybe this isn't the size here. So I've, I've done some detective work, since uh, I got up from the couch. Alaska's not as big as I thought it was. What's the beer? <laughs> Oh,
1: are we done talking about our. Good redirect, buddy. Yeah. Our beer is from Around the Bend Beer Co. Hey, I know them. Do you? Yeah. Let's oh. just do a quick repack, re- a little recap. A, a little, little repack. A little repack. <laughs> a journey, not a destination. Me. <laughs> the goal, taking craft further we take classic styles and imbue them with an experimental edge.
0: I'm gonna have some badass music playing underneath this.
1: Some of our beers are a little goofy. Others are delicate, but every single one is delicious. <laughs> in the fall of 2012, <laughs> an idea sparked. There was something different going on in the beer world. Something that had been seen for nearly 15 years. Interest in full flavored beers was once again gaining steam, but something was different. This time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what the hell? This time.
1: <laughs> it's just. The movement was bigger and gaining traction at a faster pace. Okay. It looked like there was a window of opportunity, but it wouldn't last. Our founder, Dan, decided to leave behind corporate life and follow a long-standing dream of becoming an entrepreneur, even better as a home brewer okay. since the mid-90s, to follow his passion for beer and taking things over with his wife, Brooke. The couple decided to lock arms and take the plunge. That doesn't seem like a good way to stay afloat. A business plan was written. 401ks were emptied. A friends and family round was raised. And by the spring of 2015, the first batch was brewed and ready to debut at the annual Beer Under Glass Festival. ATB was born that evening.
0: (gasps) I just realized what around the bend brews.
1: You live so hard. I'm getting
0: excited.
1: Since then, Brooke and Dan have put their hearts and souls into building ATB into what it is today. And luckily, because of fine beard-loving folks like you, we are cranking out more beer than ever these days. More of the styles you've come to love from us and more experimental brews that seek to break the mold. Because at Around the Bend, that's what we do. It's been 40 episodes. We take classic styles and imbue them with an experimental edge. We believe that if you keep trying new things, keep pushing the boundaries, then you never know what's around the bend. 40 episodes. I don't know what you're talking about. It's been 40 episodes. Our beer (gasps) is called Villainous. It is a classic IPA. Okay. With Simcoe, Mosaic, and Centennial to create an instant classic.
0: I'm getting really excited. It is
1: a... I need to calm down. 7% ABV and 80 IBU. It is also a year-round beverage. It has a beer advocate. Its score <laughs> is 88. Very good. It is considered a American IPA. Its style is ranked 2,115. Mm-hmm. And it, da, 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 over overall, it's ranked uh, 15,809.
0: And what's it called again?
1: Villainous. It's the most diabolic of plans. Instead of a single yeast strain, Villainous employs four, two British and two West Coasts, to make one super IPA strain. You wildin'. This imparts subtle flavors like apple, clover, honey, and pear. A blend of the most coveted hops adds floral and fruity flavors in perfect complement. A nefarious pleasure to
0: be sure. I am so pumped. You yeah, got really excited. It's around the bend. These guys are like I I respect these people like I do Saint Aran. Oh god, I can't wait
1: to <laughs> Oh, every time you bring it up. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh it's so good. That's
0: it. You, broo- you may fetch. They brew Vera, by the way. In case in case they're not picking up. That's why I'm so excited. It's been forty episodes. We had Vera episode thirty. Mm. Episode seventy, mm-hmm. mm, husband.
1: Do you think I can snack on?
0: Uh yeah. What are you feeling? I got chips. I got nuts. I got cranberries. Some you got cranberries. I got cran. Yeah, dried cran. Oh, dried cranberries. cranberries. Oh, cranberries. oh
1: yeah. I thought you meant like actual cranberries. No. Um.
0: I got some cheese. What kind of cheese? Uh, mozzarella. Like a like a little cubes of mozzarella cheese. Um. Yeah, nuts.
1: Your fridge confuses me.
0: Cashews, peanuts, pistachios. Walnuts.
1: You a lot of nuts.
0: Dried cranberries. Chips. What kind of chips? Uh, Lay's Original Chips. I got Cheetos. Oh, I got peanuts that have, like, hard shells on them. Um, They're spicy peanuts. Spicy peanuts. Never mind. Let's get through this. Okay. I love this can art. Because... I, I like breweries that have consistency with their can art, their labels, how everything is designed pretty much the same, like the same sort of style mm-hmm. or the same elements on the can, but they just change like the name and they just change the main graphic like this. This is exactly like Vera or Vixen. They have
1: a Pairs Well With.
0: Oh, of they course have like they a do. bunch of info Perfect. on the side.
1: Look at that. Pairs well.
0: Okay, well, I'm done talking.
1: With spicy curries, mild blue cheeses, caramel apple tarts. Go on with what you're saying. <laughs> spicy
0: curries. Oh, huh. um, so I like this can art. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the purple is gorgeous. Uh, the skull with the mustache, I love it. I want that as a tattoo. Um, Don't do that to yourself. I'm gonna get all of the Vera Don't labels to as yourself. tattoos. Don't do that. I still need to get the Witch Doctor from Vera. All the Around that wasn't the Bend. That's a Plague Doctor, I'm sorry. Plague Doctor from uh Vera Around the Bend. I remember I was pretty drunk in that episode, episode thirty two. Were you drunk? Yeah. Since fourteen. That's crazy. They've been brewing beer since they were fourteen. Hmm? Oh my god. I fucking love this. It's it's exactly what I want an IPA to smell like. Beard is very foamy, frothy. It's got stumps.
1: I don't know if it has stumps. It's what? light. Very stumpy.
0: Yeah, stumpy at the top here.
1: Okay, now I'm getting a little bit more of the smell.
0: It smells like citrus and bright fruit. The, you can smell the hops, but they're not like intense, crazy hops. They're just like, I don't know, very mellow, complimentary, fruity hop aroma.
1: <clears throat> you right there? You have the flair for the dramatic, don't you?
0: I really do. You know me so well. I'm going
1: to assume that you like it.
0: No words, Paige. No words. Yes. Why is this so good? We've had two other American IPAs. In the last ten episodes, we've had um, Forest Fauna. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And we had Sex and Candy, which was the last episode. Uh, I remember Forest Fauna was very on the bitter side. Very intense. Um, piney hoppiness. Sex and Candy, not as much, but still... Sex and Candy was weird. I didn't care for it. Um, This, compared to other American IPAs, the way that they incorporated the hops with the the f- fruit flavors and just, with, I guess, the hops that they used and that the way they all mix together, there's really no harsh edge to this. Harsh? It's
1: very smooth.
0: Bitterness, yeah. It's just it tastes very balanced. Very pleasant. Like this is as good of an IPA as Vera was a Cream Ale.
1: I think I don't like beer anymore.
0: Yeah. You think 70 episodes it's <laughs> It just ruined it.
1: I can't say I don't like beer cuz I was just at my dad's on Sunday and I had a a Summer Shandy. And I love, fucking love Summer Shandies. Love
0: yeah. them. But
1: I've just been so disappointed with the past few beers. I'm not saying this is bad. Yeah. It's a pretty decent IPA. Maybe I'm just not as into IPAs as I used to be.
0: Yeah. I mean, you, you had this very low expectation. Our first beer was an IPA. You still hated them. And then we tried more of them and you kind of... Grew a liking to them, but mm-hmm. now maybe you're back down here.
1: Maybe we should get more beer from Old Irving, because I loved their their.
0: Old IPAs. Irving had good stuff and more beer from Saint Laurent. I like the weird shit. I like the sour ale that we had from them. Um, I don't know. I I like this because I like that. I I love that you picked this brewery. I like that we're revisiting them, because this this for me has been a pleasant surprise compared to. The other ten beards that we've had here. Like, this is going to be ranked, if not number one, near the top for me. But I like the variation that we've had. i want to keep that up. Mm. Had a couple stouts. Had a winter warmer. Our first winter warmer.
1: I didn't like it.
0: Uh, we had a Kolsch, which is cool. That's always fun. Uh, I think the last ten we had a Hefeweizen. It's just, you know, I like I like changing it up here. Oh, yeah, we had a sour ale, too. We had uh, very bad kids.
1: Then we had more than one sour ale.
0: Just one for the last ten. Mm. And we had a strong ale, Merry Monkey.
1: And I gave it a one.
0: <laughs> oh, you gave it a one. <laughs> I was too lazy
1: to move anything.
0: <laughs> Paige, no! You didn't rearrange anything.
1: I was too lazy.
0: Paige, no! <laughs> ah, you, you've, been ah. saying, you've been saying the last five episodes, oh, I'm going to rearrange everything at the end. But hey, if you if you give this a one, you give it a one. it's tolerable. You like it better than not far from the tree, the Kolsch? Not really. <laughs> Come on, go through this. I no?
1: Can do it. That important to you.
0: Damn. Alright. Okay, well number number one was villainous for Paige. My number one was uh Isolation Ale, the Winter Warmer. Um, cumulatively, it's a tie between those two. Because I had, I had that as number one, you had number three, and then vice versa for this beer. Mm. The worst was Merry Monkey, the Strong Ale but by Victory Brewery. Mm. That was a nine mm. uh, for both of us.
1: What was your ten?
0: My 10 was Sex and Candy.
1: What was my 10?
0: Your 10 was Darkness, the Russian Imperial Stout.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: You don't like stouts.
1: I don't. I do not. Mm-mm. They're gross. I just feel like a liquid shouldn't be thick. Thick. Tell me about Yeetie.
0: That's another 10 in the EDM books. That's music. EDM music. <laughs> this episode. Yeah, on. it's
1: another 10. Yay. 70.
0: We're at number 70. I We're so close.
1: I meant to have this discussion
0: with you. We can get to 100. I think we should stop. We can get to 100.
1: No, I think we should stop.
0: Edie. Yeah. Amen.
1: Don't you just start talking.
0: Dada. Ome. 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 Dada. Edie. Amin Dada. Ome.
1: You can just slap an accent on it and make it seem like it's true.
0: I wouldn't need him
1: Pig's still a pig if you put it in makeup.
0: You know you're right. He was born around 1925. No one really knows because he's weird. Because he's weird. But he died August 16th, 2003. He was a Ugandan military officer, the third president of Uganda from 1971 to 1979 and de facto military dictator. He is considered one of the most brutal despots in world history. Amin did not write an autobiography, and he did not authorize an official written account of his life. Therefore, there are discrepancies regarding when and where he was born. Most biographical sources claim that he was born in either Koboko or Kampala around 1925. How strong did you say this was, Seven? Why, <laughs> you drunk already? It's like a repeat of episode 30 around the Ben Beers. It's like they...
1: You like it too much, so you chug me it. They make you feel a
0: certain way, yeah. They make you feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. What kind of way? Other unconfirmed sources state Amin's year of birth from as early as 1923 to as late as 1928. Amin's son... Hussein has stated that his father was born in Kampala in 1928. But it says circa 1925. Amin was the son of and- Andreas Nyabiray. Nyabire, Nyabire. The reason I, I mentioned the spear is because I- there's a lot of weird words in here, and I'm going to fuck them all up. Andreas Nyabure 1889 to 1976, a member of the Kakwa ethnic, dru- ethnic group, <laughs> converted from Roman Catholicism to Islam in 1910 and changed his name to Amin Dada. He named his firstborn son after himself. Abandoned by his father at a young age, Edi Aman grew up with his mother's family in a rural farming town in northwestern Uganda. Amin's mother was Asa Ate, from 1904 to 1970, an ethnic Lugbara and a traditional herbalist who treated members of Buganda royalty, among others. Amin joined an Islamic school in Bambo in 1941 when he was about 16 years old. After a few years, he left school with only a fourth grade English language education and did odd jobs before being recruited to the army by a British colonial army officer. Now, 21 years of age, Amin joined the king's African Rifles, the KAR of the British Colonial Army in 1946, as an assistant cook, while at the same time receiving military training until 1947. He was transferred to Kenya for infantry service as a private in 1947 and served in the 21st KAR Infantry Battalion in Gilgil, Kenya Colony until 1949. That year, his unit was deployed to northern Kenya to fight against Somali rebels in the Shifto War. In 1952, his brigade was deployed against the Mau Mau rebels in Kenya. He was promoted to corporal the same year, then to sergeant in 1953 at the age of 28. In 1959, Amin was made Afande, class 2, a warrant officer, the highest rank possible for a Black African in the colonial British Army of that time, I Amin mean, returned to Uganda the same year and received a short service commission as a lieutenant on July fifteenth, nineteen sixty one, becoming one of the first two Ugandans to become commissioned officers. He was assigned to quell the cattle rustling between Uganda's Karamojong and Kenya's Turkana nomads. Don't ask me what that means. Okay, According. I won't- According to researcher Olger Bernd Hansen.
1: Have you ever wondered what beer tastes like through a straw?
0: Probably not good.
1: Well, I was thinking about that.
0: I don't imagine it would taste Mm, good.
1: I kind of want to know. Continue.
0: According to researcher Olger Bernd Hansen, Amin's outlook, behavior, and strategies of communication were strongly influenced by his experiences in the colonial, colonial military. This included his direct, hands-on leadership style, which would eventually contribute to his popularity among certain parts of Ugandan society. Amin was an athlete during his time in both the British and Ugandan army. At six foot four inches, and powerfully built,
1: very tall man.
0: He was the Ugandan light heavyweight boxing champion from 1951 to 1960, as well as a swimmer.
1: There's another country that had a um president or leader that was a, a boxer or something. I think what it was is, in South America.
0: Oh, I was going to assume Russia. Uh, Amin was also a formidable rugby forward although one officer said of him this is funny quote, Edie Amin is a splendid type and a good rugby player but virtually bone from the neck up and needs things explained in words of one letter. So he's a big guy but uh, he's kind of dumb. In 1962, following Uganda's independence from the United Kingdom, Amin was promoted to captain and then in 1963 to major. He was appointed deputy commander of the army in 1964 and then the following year to commander of the army. In 1970, now 45 years old, he was promoted to commander of all of the armed forces. Commander of all the armed forces. <gasps> Why are your hands so warm? Why are your hands so cold?
1: I don't know. My feet's even colder. In 1965,
0: Prime Minister Milton Obote, this guy's important, and Amin were implicated in a deal to smuggle ivory and gold into Uganda from the Democratic Republic of the Congo. The deal was part of an arrangement to help troops opposed to the Congolese government trade ivory and gold for armed supplies secretly smuggled to them by Amin.
1: It would be great
0: if people would stop
1: taking tusks stop. off of elephants
0: leave the ivory alone guys
1: just like come on leave. it does not have any medical
0: properties it doesn't belong to you like, it's like shark fins yeah
1: stop eating shark fin soup like what is that
0: leave the fins on the shark where they belong yeah, it's
1: very important to our ecosystem sharks are important
0: we have a whole episode on, uh, on sharks just listen to and it a really bad beer we'll tell you how no it's incredible no. Tell you how great sharks are That's and right. how great that beer is. That beer's bad. In 1966, the Ugandan parliament demanded an investigation against uh, Amin and Obote. Obote imposed a new constitution abolishing the ceremonial presidency held by Kabaka, King, as I means King Mutesa II of Buganda, and declared himself, Obote, executive president. He promoted Amin to colonel and army commander. Amin led an attack on the Kabaka's palace and forced Mutesa into exile to the United Kingdom, where he remained until his death in 1969. Amin began recruiting members of uh, Kakwa, Lugbara, South Sudanese, and other ethnic groups from the West Nile area bordering South Sudan. The South Sudanese had been residents of Uganda since the early 20th century, having come from South Sudan to serve the colonial army. Serve the colonial army. Eventually, a rift developed between Amin and Abote. Exacerbated by the support Amin had built within the Ugandan army by recruiting from the West Nile region, his involvement in operations to support the rebellion in southern Sudan, and an attempt on Abote's life in 1969. I could see why a rift would develop between Amin and Abote if uh, Amin attempted to kill
1: him. Yeah, To orchestrate an assassination.
0: That makes sense. In October 1970, Abote took control of the armed forces, reducing Amin from his month's old post of commander of all the armed forces to that of the commander of just the Ugandan army. Having learned that Abote was planning to arrest him for misappropriating army funds, Amin seized power in a military coup on January 25th, 1971, while Abote was attending a Commonwealth summit meeting in Singapore. Troops loyal to Amin sealed off Entebbe International Airport and took Kampala, the town. Soldiers surrounded Obote's residence and blocked major roads. A broadcast on Radio Uganda accused Obote's government of corruption and preferential treatment of the Lango region and cheering crowds reported in the streets of Kampala after the radio broadcast. Amin, who presented himself a soldier, not a politician, Declared that the military government would remain only as a caretaker regime until new elections, which would be held when the situation was normalized. He promised to release all political prisoners. Sounds like a pretty good deal. He was a soldier, not a politician. He's just taking control temporarily. The government would remain only as a caretaker regime until new elections could take place. He just wanted to get Abote out of the picture. He's going to help them transition. When the situation normalized, it would hold new elections, and he's going to release all the political prisoners. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds great. Dealsies. Amin held a state funeral on April 1971 for Edward Mutesa, former king of Buganda and president who had died in exile. He freed many political prisoners, and he reiterated his promise to hold free and fair elections to return the country to democratic rule in the shortest period possible. On February 2nd, 1971, one week after the coup, I Amin mean, declared himself President of Uganda, Commander in Chief of the Armed Forces, Uganda Army Chief of Staff, and Chief of Air Staff. It's a lot of titles that he self proclaimed himself. He suspended certain provisions of the Ugandan Constitution and soon instituted an Advisory Defense Council composed of military officers with himself as the chairman. I Amin mean, placed military tribunals above the system of civil law, appointed soldiers to top government posts and government-owned corporations, and informed the newly inducted civilian cabinet ministers that they would be subject to military courtesy. I Amin mean, ruled by decree and issued and issued approximately 30 decrees over the course of his rule. I Amin mean, remained the presidential lodge. I'm sorry, he. I Amin mean, renamed the presidential lodge in Kampala from Government House to the command post, he renamed it. He disbanded the General Service Unit, GSU, an intelligence agency created by the previous government and replaced it with the State Research Bureau, SRB. SRB headquarters at the Kampala suburb of Nakasero became the scene of torture and capital punishment over the next few years. Other agencies used to persecute dissenters included the military police and the public safety unit, the PSU really providing the public with safety by persecuting dissenters. And former Prime Minister Milton Obote took refuge in Tanzania, having been offered sanctuary there by the Tanzanian president, Julius Nairi. Obote was soon joined by 20,000 Ugandan refugees fleeing I Amin. Mean, they didn't like him. The exiles attempted but failed to regain Uganda in 1972 through a poorly organized coup attempt. And that's all I have. 1972, Obote is exiled. He took refuge in Tanzania with 20,000 Ugandan refugees fleeing Amin. Amin doesn't sound like a really nice guy right now. Uh, And this is, again, 1972. They tried to take over and they failed. (coughs)
1: i didn't call for you to do that
0: (sighs) i didn't call for you to do that okay
1: if we got into a fight right now i would obliterate you
0: i would throw mashed potatoes at your face
1: that's fine that won't stop these fists they're rated e for everyone
0: Mine are rated 13. Throughout the
1: first year of his presidency, Amin received key military and financial support from the United Kingdom and Israel. In July of 1971, he visited both countries and asked for advanced military equipment, but the states refused to provide hardware unless the Ugandan government paid for it. That seems fair.
0: Yeah, you got to pay for the things you want to get. Amin decided to seek foreign support
1: elsewhere because, you know, nobody's handing out any freebies over here. And in February of nineteen seventy-two, he visited Libya. I mean, denounced Zionism and re- in return, Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi
0: mm, I don't guy.
1: pledged Uganda an immediate twenty-five million dollar <laughs> loan. To be followed by more lending from the Libyan Ugandan Development Bank.
0: You must really like him.
1: Over the following months, Amin successfully removed Israeli military advisors from his government, expelled all other Israeli technicians, and finally broke diplomatic relations. Gaddafi also mediated a resolution to longstanding Ugandan-Sudanese tensions with Amin agreeing to stop backing. Uh, 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 <laughs> Ani Anya rebels Anya Anya not Anya rebels in southern Sudan and instead recruit the former guerrilla fighters into his army. following the expulsion of ugandan asians in 1972 most of whom were of indian descent india severed diplomatic relations with uganda the same year as part of his economic war amin broke diplomatic ties with the united kingdom and nationalized all british-owned businesses the united kingdom and israel ceased all trade with uganda but this commercial gap was quickly filled by libya the united states and the soviet union i love how america just jumps in whenever it can Opportunity to mistreat someone (laughs) sounds like our (laughs) mo.
0: Count us in. Ridiculous.
1: By 1975, it was estimated that the Soviets had provided Amin's government with 12 million in economic assistance and 48 million in arms. Amin also sent several thousand Ugandans to Eastern Bloc countries for military intelligence and technical training, especially Czechoslovakia.
0: Especially them. Especially
1: them. You know those Czechs. Whoa! Moses oh, is so boring.
0: Well, I thought you were going to talk about the kind of fucked up shit that I mean, did. Yeah, I guess.
1: We'll go over his exile and then I'll talk about what he did.
0: It's only, it's only boring if you make it boring.
1: Yeah, you're right. I should add finger puppets. In January of 1977, Amin appointed General Mustafa Adrisi vice president of Uganda. That year, a split in the Uganda army developed between supporters of Amin and soldiers loyal to Adrisi, who held significant power in the government and wanted to purge foreigners, particularly Sudanese, from the military. The growing dissatisfaction in the Ugandan army was reflected by frequent coup attempts. Amin was even wounded during one of them. Namely, 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 Operation Mafuta Mingi, 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 in June of 1977, by 78, the number of Amin supporters and close associates had shrunk, shrunk significantly. And he faced increasing dissent from the populace within Uganda as the economy and infrastructure collapsed as a result of the years of neglect and abuse. Mm-hmm. After the killings of Bishop Luwum, Luwum and ministers Oriema and Oboth, of, I don't know, in 1977, several of Amin's ministers defected or fled into exile in... Early 1978, Adrisi was severely injured in a car accident and flown to Cairo for treatment. While he was there, Amin stripped him of his positions as Minister of Defense and Minister of Home Affairs and denounced him for retiring uh, senior prison officials without his knowledge. Amin then proceeded to purge several high-ranking officials from his government and took personal control of several um, portfolios. The shakeup caused political unrest and especially angered Adrisi's followers, who believed that the car accident was a failed assassination attempt. In 78
0: of. In 78 of. 78?
1: <laughs> in November of 1978, troops loyal to Adrisi mutinied. Amin sent troops against the mutineers, some of whom had fled across the Tanzanian border. Fighting consequently broke out along the Ugandan-Tanzanian border, and the Ugandan army launched an invasion of Tanzanian territory under unclear circumstances. According to several experts and politicians, Amin directly ordered the invasion in an attempt to distract the Ugandan military and public from the crisis at home. In '79, the Tanzanian president mobilized the People's Defense Force, and counterattacked, joined by several groups of Ugandan exiles who had united as the Ugandan National Liberation Army, UNLA. UNLA. Um, Amin's army retreated steadily, despite military help from Libya and the Palestine Liberation Organization, or PLO. The president reportedly made several trips abroad to other countries, such as Saudi Arabia and Iraq during the war, attempting to enlist more foreign support. He made very few public appearances in the final months of his rule, but spoke frequently on radio and television. Following a major defeat in the Battle of Lukaya, parts of the Ugandan army command reportedly urged Amin to step down. He angrily refused and declared, if you don't want to fight, I'll do it myself. He consequently fired chief of staff, Yusuf Gowan. However, Amin was forced to flee the Ugandan capital by helicopter on 11 of April 1979 when Kampala was captured after a short-lived attempt to rally some remnants of the Ugandan army in Eastern Uganda, which reportedly included Amin proclaiming the city of uh, Jinja, his country's new capital. He fled into exile. He first escaped to Libya where he stayed until 1980 and ultimately settled in Saudi Arabia where the Saudi Royal family allowed him sanctuary and paid him a generous subsidy in return for staying out of politics.
0: Oh.
1: They like, listen, what have mm-hmm. paid you to not do this? I Amin mean, lived for a number of years on top on the top two floors of the Novatel Hotel on Palestine Road in Jeddah. Brian Barron, who covered the Ugandan uh, Tanzanian War for the BBC as chief Africa correspondent of Vis news, news, in Nairobi, located Amin in 1980 and secured the first interview with him since his deposition. While in exile, Amin funded remnants of his army that fought in the Ugandan Bush War. Though he continued to be a controversial figure, some of Amin's former followers, as well as several rebel groups, continued to fight in his name for decades and occasionally advocated for his amnesty and even his restoration to Ugandan presidency. <laughs> During interviews he gave during his exile in Saudi Arabia, Amin held that Uganda needed him and never expressed remorse for the brutal nature of his regime. Never. In 1989, Amin left his exile without author- authorization by the Saudi Arabian government and flew alongside one of his sons to Zaire. Z- Zaire? Zaire? I don't know. There he intended to mobilize a rebel force to reconquer Uganda, which was engulfed in another civil war at the time. The rest of his family stayed in Jeddah. Despite using a false Zyranian passport, Amin was easily recognized upon arriving at the airport and promptly arrested. The Zari Zarian I don't know. Government reacted unfavorably to Amin's arrival and attempted to expel him from the country. At first, Saudi Arabia refused to allow him to return, as its government was deeply offended that he had abused their hospitality by leaving without permission. The Zyrian, Zairean government wanted neither to extradite Amin to Uganda, where the ex-president faced murder charges, nor keep him there, thereby straining international relations. As a result, Amin was initially expelled to Senegal from where he was supposed to be sent to Saudi Arabia, but the Senegalese government sent him back to Zaire when Saudi Arabia continued to refuse Amin a visa. He just keeps getting bounced around. <laughs> yeah. Saudi Arabian leadership finally relented and allowed him to return. In return, Amin had to promise to never again participate in any political or military activities or give interviews. He consequently spent the remainder of his life peacefully and quietly in Saudi Arabia. On July 19th of 2003, Amin's fourth wife reported that he was in a coma and near death in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, from kidney failure. She pleaded with the Ugandan president to allow him to return to Uganda for the remainder of his life. The current president replied that Amin would have to answer for his sins the moment he was brought back. Hmm. Amin's family eventually decided to disconnect life support, and Amin was, consequently died at the hospital on August 16th of 2003.
0: Isn't that wild? You mentioned his fourth wife. Yes. I did briefly see that he had... Like Six. And forty three children. Yeah, he had a lot of kids. I think he only had f- four wives. Like his last six. Really? Yes. His last wife. Uh, his. Oh, I was gonna say his wife when he died was his last wife, but uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, but I think like his second to last wife, he was married with her. I think it said like until her death but i think i like read something to where it it said something along the lines of like he killed one of his wives to be with someone else i don't know she going to any of that no with his wives that's that's some weird shit
1: anyways over the course of his career amin gained numerous (laughs) nicknames many of them derogatory one of them was big daddy oh yeah Another one was the Butcher of Uganda. Mm-hmm. That's a total 360. Butcher of Africa. Butcher of Kampala. Black Hitler. Not kidding. Listed. Uh, see,
0: I asked you if you assimilate. Uh...
1: Isn't that crazy? Hmm.
0: We still need to do a Hitler episode. Yeah, I guess we do. But
1: I just she- feel like that's information that everybody knows. Eh. So, why fear him?
0: I mean, I, I kind of picked it up after doing my research.
1: Yes. So, there are a couple things. There was one time where he casually mentioned that he has consumed human flesh.
0: Didn't know that. Yes.
1: He, what did he say? That it was too salty.
0: Are, are we going to do a cannibalism episode?
1: We probably should. Okay. There's another incident. On the 20th of November of 1975, around 10 a.m., Amin drove into Kampala's main car park. He was accompanied by some of his ministers and bodyguards. He got out of his car and started walking around said car park. He entered one of the shops that surrounded it and found a group of men playing a game. Amin requested that he join in the game and one of the players relinquished his position for the president's. It was soon apparent that he was a good player. He was cheered by the crowd as he beat one man after another. He beat him off. Word went around that the president was around and playing and crowd grew. In the middle of jubilation, there came a crippled man by the name of Wandera? Wandera, He was very well known in Kampala. He pushed his way through the crowd with his crutches and went and collapsed in front of Amin. He glared at Amin and started insulting him. He called the president names and told him that he should not have sent away the Asians because the common man was now suffering. We don't have commodities in the shops, yet you call yourself president. Son of a bitch, kill me if you want. One of Amin's bodyguards raised his pistol to strike Wandera, but Amin restrained him. Shoot me, provoked Wandera. I hear you are a murderer and shoot people with your gun. Shoot me now. Amin quietly got to his feet and left the crowd, followed by his ministers and bodyguards. Three days later, Wandera was seen being hauled into a military vehicle. Up until today, nobody knows what happened to him. Hmm. That same evening, Radio Uganda announced that anybody who was lame, blind, had no hands, and anybody who felt that he was so poor or disabled that he needed help should report to the nearest police station. The government claimed the announcement would offer them jobs, free accommodation, and free food. The following morning, thousands of cripples and disabled turned up in Kampala's police stations. They were loaded onto military trucks and driven to, um, I don't know if this is the word, Jinja. Jinja? I don't know. They were unloaded like sand into the Nile River. Those who could not hold the lorries fell into the river, while those who had hands and held on were shot, and then they too fell into the crocodile-infested River Nile at the Owen Falls Dam.
0: That's me goosebumps. Just
1: killed a bunch of people because Fun. he got insulted. What a bonkers-ass person. <laughs> He like Okay, so he routinely changed his personnel, so he was constantly changing people that worked for him. He just randomly altered his travel schedules, or he'll just randomly change his mode of transportation. One day we're going plane, now we're driving. And slept in different places whenever he could. Meanwhile, to keep his troops loyal, he showered them with expensive electronics, whiskey, promotions, and fast cars. He also handed over businesses that were previously owned by the Asian population that he had removed. He continued to oversee the murder of an increasing number of his countrymen. Tens of thousands of Ugandans continued to be violently killed on ethnic, political, and financial grounds. His methods of murder became increasingly sadistic. Rumors spread that he kept human heads in his refrigerator. Ooh. And what I mentioned, about 4,000 disabled people being thrown into the river. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, can- confess to cannibalism on several occasions. Literally saying, I have eaten human meat. And he was quoted to say, it is very salty, even more salty than leopard meat. Dude ate a leopard. That's right. I don't want to eat a leopard. Some people attributed Amin's cruelty to dizzying effects of absolute power. Others believed his reign coincided with late stage syphilis. Mm. In his early military days, he was charged with failing to treat an STD. And in the mid-70s, an Israeli doctor who had served in Uganda told a Tel Aviv newspaper, it's no secret that Amin is suffering from the advanced stages of syphilis, which has caused brain damage.
0: Hmm. I think I'm good. It's a crazy dude. I just remember seeing something that he, like, killed his wife that he was with just to be with someone else or I I don't know I didn't didn't look into it because you know that's not my section I'm supposed to really cover the background I didn't want to spoil too much about what he did in his later years but
1: um. oh I think he killed somebody and then like dismembered their body and then rearranged the body pieces I think that was it okay
0: settle down now yeah right uh, but, yeah, we have to do uh, we have to do an Adolf Hitler episode. We need to do a Holocaust episode. Can not those just be one episode? We could combine them, but we could also do separate ones, I think. I don't know. We'll, we'll think on it. But this guy's not too far off. I mean, he was called Black Hitler. <laughs> eh. It's crazy. Isn't it, though? History.
1: History. Knowledge. Oh, there was one other thing.
0: Yes, you could visit his torture chamber. It's still standing.
1: Yes, the Idi Amin torture chamber is located in Lubiri Mango Palace of the King of Buganda Kingdom.
0: Whatever that is. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll add that uh, on my my Google Maps of want to go places.
1: Yeah, where's here?
0: I loved it. It's, uh, I think it's a, a mixture of me being tired, but this, this beer definitely has got me, mm. which I think is so strange. It is because it's just one beer and it's just 7%. Granted, I didn't eat much today, but I think You're it's also a little pussy. I'm also a little pussy and it's also, <laughs> I'm. I'm very tired. I love you. So I'm
1: also, I'm also a little, <laughs> little pussy.
0: Uh, so as soon as we're done here, I'm gonna take a nap, and then I, I gotta edit the.
1: Don't the, I have to do your after, David.
0: You do. Um, I gotta. I gotta edit uh, podcasts from last week too. So I'll do that after I wake up from my nap. But I'm really tired. The beer was excellent. I love it. I like around the bend. I like them. I'm respecting them as much as I, I do Saint Errant. Uh, these guys are great. They know how to make a good beer. This American IPA has definitely set itself apart from other American IPAs that we've had recently. I really enjoyed it because it was very balanced, it was smooth, it was fruity, but it wasn't too overpowering or too hoppy in any sort of negative way. So, I enjoyed it, and I like the can. It's pretty...
1: Uh, You? I think I need something that, like, just genuinely shocks me in order for me to, like have like an intense reaction.
0: Right we'll there. uh we'll get there eventually. And we'll just, have one of those.
1: I didn't taste anything special.
0: I I mean, it wasn't like crazy. It was an American IPA, so not but it was like definitely tell a difference between this and uh what the the mm. the piney one was. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's tasty. It's good. Beerandfearcast.com. All our episodes are on that website every Wednesday at noon. We got video episodes. Watch us as we record. You can see how drunk I am. Skip
1: all this. I have to pee.
0: Instead of just hear how drunk I am. But yeah, I'm not. I mean, hey, even without knowing that you needed to pee, I wasn't going to talk about any of it. Just the website. And the episodes You're talking more than usual lately You've just been saying the website It's fine No, I've been saying everything I've been saying mm-hmm. like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram Reddit, no, The past talk.
1: few times haven't you just been like our website they don't Gmail, even know
0: anymore? contact form, etc Okay Go pee